Thank you for listening to Sports Unfolded here on Anchor. We want to thank Anchor for everything they've done. It is easy to use, so I suggest everybody get out there and make a podcast, put it on Anchor, and show it to the world. So once again, thank you for watching Sports Unfolded on Anchor. Thank you very much. Hope to hear from you soon. Children of all ages, you of the Wrestling Den is on. Welcome to the Wrestling Den. This is episode 12. As you can see, I am soloing it right now, but I will not be for this episode. Uh, please make sure to go follow us at Facebook, The Wrestling Den, and at Twitter, at The Wrestling Den TN. And please go follow our, our gracious hosts, as always, Eric and Ron, at Sports Unfolded on Facebook, uh, Twitter, and Instagram. I believe there's an underscore in the... Um, the, not the Facebook, I think the Instagram, sports underscore unfolded. Anyways, if you don't want to watch my ugly mug this week and my, my gracious host, Nick, who will be here with me in, in about 30 minutes, T-minus 30 minutes, feel free to reach out and, and watch us on Spotify, Anchor, and Google Podcasts. So I want to get right into things. Um, I'm opening up the show on a solemn note. For anybody that is a wrestling fan that's been paying attention to Twitter, Instagram, or any social media, uh, former WCW star and TNA star uh, that played uh, Daphne Unger. Uh, Shannon, uh, I don't know how to pronounce her last name, uh, Spruill. Unfortunately, uh, she had done a live stream yesterday that scared a lot of people, and Mick Foley reached out trying to find her address because she just recently moved to a new apartment. And I regret to inform that she has passed away. Now, a lot of you may have already know this news. Uh, I was at work when I found out, so I couldn't um, report it then, but I am reporting it now. I just wanted to start off the show to pay my respects to her. I've always watched her, and honestly, one of my favorite things about Daphne in her career was she actually played a character called Lucy back in 2003, and she was the valet for Second City Saints. So that would be Ace Steel, CM Punk, and Colt Cabana. Uh, one of my favorite Ring of Honor stables besides Generation Next. So I've followed Daphne all the way since WCW. Uh, she dated Rick or David, Rick Flair's son, David Flair, um, in a storyline, and she was the valet of Crowbar, some of you may know. But uh, her teenage years, she kind of started off doing some things as far as, like, uh, I think they had her as a guest appearance, like, kind of just doing, not really as a, as a wrestler, but kind of just, like, it was a 20, that's what it was. It was a $25,000 challenge to uh, beat Karma at the time, Awesome Kong. And she was one of three people with Becky Bayless, who was another wrestler, and Amber O'Neill at the time. And Becky Bayless, if you don't remember who she is, she was Jimmy Jacobs' valet. So the three of them were on a on an episode of TNA in the crowd. They were planning the crowd to wrestle uh, Awesome Kong, and Daphne was picked, and she of, of course lost to Awesome Kong. But again, uh, she didn't do much in WCW. She didn't get a chance because she kind of just came in, and then they folded. Uh, so she did a few things. Uh, she was memorable for screaming. I think she was probably one of the first valets uh, to scream like like she did. Like the, she had like this this big scream. She was also part of Raven's Flock too. So we can't forget that she had a lot of important things that happened in so little time in WCW. But I think her career really kind of more shined after WCW when she was doing the independent circuit and TNA. So I just wanted to pay my, my respects and open the show that way. And. To Daphne's family and any of her friends, anybody that's watching that was a fan of Daphne, uh, I'm sorry for your loss because it is a it is a big one in the wrestling world. I think any wrestler passing away is is big, obviously, but this kind of happened under 
worse circumstances. So moving on, uh, speaking of second city saints, things like that, uh, AEW, I want to cover AEW. I watched them last night, dynamite, and I watched the whole show. So I got through it. Uh, I think the only match that I ended up actually fast forwarding through and skipping was Brian Cage's match. But other than that, <laughs> I want to, I want to welcome a friend of mine, uh, Jordan in the chat. Thank you, Jordy, for joining us. I uh, appreciate you. Sound alerts, stream elements. I know you guys, as always, from my stream, you bots are amazing. Do your thing. Uh, I want to say, as far as going forwards in the show, I do have some good news to announce. Uh, one of the big announcements being that I have a special guest tonight. He's a personal friend of mine as well. Uh, let's just say he's going to shock the world because he is the shock master. Thanks for having me, right? <laughs> How you doing, Shockmaster? I'm doing pretty good. How about you, buddy? I'm, I'm, doing, I'm doing okay, all things considered. Uh, I'm very excited about tonight's show. I'm, I'm excited about AEW. I'm excited that we have the Shockmaster himself here. If you don't know who Shockmaster is, he came in to save Sting in the Zero Hour, and he fell through a wall. If I was allowed to play you know, the footage, I would. It's, it's pretty hard to see through this mask, you know. So that's, that's why I tripped, you know, doing that promo. But You, you don't, know, you live in you don't sound like the Shockmaster. Are you, are you the Shockmaster? Because I'm really Cold Bone Pete Austin. Oh, Cold Bone Pete Austin. Oh, yeah, buddy. You best believe macho, it. Macho Man Ricky Savage doesn't like being shown up on live. Rhode Island Broadcasting, especially with this list. Oh, yeah, Macho Man Ricky Savage does not like that. Did you watch AEW? I caught bits and pieces of it, but I was really more fascinated about um, the whole Christian Cage on Impact. Uh, so I I didn't watch Impact. Do you want to fill me in? So pretty much Christian Cage came back. They retired the TNA Heavyweight Championship and then um, pretty much said that the Impact World Championship is pretty much going to take over. And then uh, Kurt, Kurt, Kurt Hawkins? I don't know what his new name is. Brian Meyer. Yeah. Uh, he pretty much came out, cut a promo, tried to go for a cheap shot on Christian, but he knows all of those cheap shots. And then he's Christian pretty Cage. much setting it up for their pay-per-view this weekend. So it's going to be him versus Brian Meyer? Uh, um, for what it seemed like, yes. Do you think that with – now, have you been following uh, Matt Cardona, a.k.a. Zack Ryder? Have you been following what he's been doing? Not on AEW as of late. But, I mean, Christian Cage did allude to that in his promo when so Brian Matt Cardona, Matt Cardona came and faced Nick Gage and won the GCW championship. Uh, he first appeared in GCW wearing a black robe, and he did, like, the John Moxley little walk around and stuff. Like, so people thought it was John Moxley. And then he uh, hit Nick Gage with uh, uh, Moxley's finisher, the double-arm DDT that he does, Dirty Deeds. He with the Dirty Deeds, and then he took off the thing, and he had a whole thing with uh, Nick Gage, and then he won the GCW title after, you know, the crowd hated him and all that. So him and Brian Meyer obviously have been getting back together and doing things uh, whenever they can. But uh, you think you think with Brian Meyer, as far as that goes, with this close relationship, you think that he might follow Nick uh, Matt Cardona's, um, I guess, his path, and saying that, would he beat Christian Cage for the championship? 
I think he is because I think this is more of like a nostalgia thing for Christian. Like they'll bring him back for a match. He'll drop the belt and then he'll go back to AEW. Well, Brian's a heel, right? Yeah. So maybe, maybe obviously by by that effect, maybe he'll win as a heel because Matt Cordona is basically being a heel as well, kind of taking in the the fans hating him at GCW because they were like throwing bottles and stuff at him and whatnot, you know, and he was just reveling it all. So Brian Meyer being a heel, Matt Cardona being a heel, I think both of them showing that they're winning the big gold, you know, the world heavyweight title of that company. It could be a big thing for both of their careers. And at the same time, if they decided to tag in the future at while being champions, I mean, I mean, look at, look at Brian's run in WWE. I mean, it wasn't anything spectacular. He didn't do anything. (laughs) He walked out every week to be a jobber for the most part. Now that he's actually in impact, I mean, he's still doing the same thing as Matt Cardona, but he's, he's found something that he could do and he's very good at, and that's being a heel. Thank you for looking, Invader. Uh, I, I feel like, honestly, Kurt Hawkins, I agree with you. His career was really lackluster in WWE, uh, but in terms of being the independent scene, I think he has more room to thrive. And not to even say that he's really going to be anything different than what I expected in WWE. I never really was a fan of his. Not really somebody that I am actively watching or even like seeking out. But I'm not going to cut on the guy's work. I think it's better off that he's in the independent scene because he's got a better chance to make a name for himself. Especially one that's going to be like Christian Cage where it's serious and taken seriously. And I think with a name like Kurt Hawkins, I don't know if that honestly was a name I could even buy as, as serious. It was just so. a gimmick to send him out there and get beat up every week. That's all it was. I, I, I understand where he's coming from, though. Some guys will work there for years, collect the paycheck, be a jobber, you know, or maybe they'll get a win here once in a while. But let's be honest, be a glorified jobber and get paid to do it. And you know, and they're happy doing it because they're they're in WWE. They're learning how to wrestle the WWE way. And they're getting paid a, a mighty fine paycheck, whether it's sixty-four grand or what have you. Let's look like I know everybody says, Oh, well, everybody makes like a million dollars, but I honestly in roster management, you have guys that are probably making like six hundred thousand. You probably have guys that are making like double digits. Like, depending on your your worth to the, the company, um, you know, you're gonna get a paycheck and they're gonna offer you a price. They're not gonna offer you the Brock Lesnar price if you're a guy like Kurt Hawkins. But if they say, Hey, how's uh like seventy grand sound? And like that sounds kind of low. How's like 150? You know what I mean? Yeah. I don't know how much you're gonna make in the independent circuit, but I feel like as far as these guys go, if uh, Brian Myers, anybody to kind of take an example of the guys in the independent circuit, are they to get paid? Obviously, it's not gonna be as much as WWE, but they're also there to wrestle because it's professional wrestling. It's like the sport comes also, before the job. They can also build themselves up from getting you know their character destroyed. And, you know, other bigger promotions, they can regroup, rebrand, and then come back even stronger. And I mean, I know John Moxley, go go like John Moxley wasn't the same because he built his name up in places like CZW and all that. But just him going back to John Moxley was was huge. Mm-hmm. It was it was a very big statement that Dean Ambrose is dead and we'll never see him again. And John Moxley was reborn again. And it was the, the paradigm shift. But with like John Moxley, Moxley and guys like Matt Cardona, who are now using these different names and Brian Meyer, um, you know, 
I think for Meyer and other guys, you know, you know, WWE is not the only place that has a lot of money that can afford to pay somebody to wrestle anymore. You know, it used to be, and then WCW was a, a guy owned by a billionaire, but people call AW like WCW 2.0 all the time. And they, and they compare basically the stats, like a billionaire bought, bought this company, owns it, puts it on TNT, you know, and it's just got money to throw around. So that, that may be true. I'm not going to sit there and, and, and bring up the semantics on that and look at some other guy's paycheck to determine whether or not he's got enough money to be able to pay his wrestlers and to make a good product. But I will say you have NJPW, you have AEW, you have, you know, uh, even, I don't know about TNA, like I know like they went bankrupt, so I don't know if they have any money to, to, to afford to wrestle around, but you know, they, they at least can give you a big name and, you know, being impact now, they still, TNA might be dead. It's dead to me. TNA is dead to me. I'm just saying like TNA died back in 2010 for me it, when it was still alive and Hulk Hogan and Ric Flair were running amok. You know, it was dead to me at that point. But for others, it, it's been become this thing from Anthem to Impact, whatever. I yeah, well, only, I respect you only- for watching it. I don't watch Impact, but I respect you for watching it because I, I just can't, dude. It was kind of one of those things that popped up in the recommended. So, I, you know, I kind of just started catching up on it. Because the last time I watched Impact or whatever they were branded as before that, it was uh, – the one wrestler who was the MMA fighter, and he kept bouncing back and forth. I can't remember his name off the top of my head. MMA fighter. An impact? Yeah. But he was in WWE like in the 90s, late Not 90s. Steve Blackman. It, it was Ken Shamrock, Steve wasn't Black- it? Yeah, that's who it was. That that guy, or Ken Shamrock, was pretty much feuding with Sammy Calhoun. And it just, it wasn't that's a great Jordan's look. Chef. Sorry. Go ahead. I have to – everybody that jumps in the chat, I'm just going to let you know right now. Everybody jumps in the chat, I'm just green. Go ahead because I know who Sammy yeah, Calhoun just, is. It's uh, just one of the guys on Impact that's probably going to be there the rest of their career unless they jump ship to AEW. I mean, and I, I think that's the thing too. Is like a lot of guys that you see like leave WWE or somewhere, like you think it automatically you're just going to go to AEW. I just realized too, like NWA still exists. NWA still exists and of all people – I don't know why, but he's WWE. Uh, he was in WWE, but he's now NWA champion, which is Trevor Murdoch. I say that again, Trevor Murdoch. Okay, like the most talentless guy I've ever seen is NWA champion right now, which blows my mind. And Shark Boy is actually now. Now that you mentioned Shark Boy, Daphne actually was Shark Girl. I just found that out today. I didn't know that. Like the Shark Girl valet that walked around with Shark Boy in TNA. I didn't know that either. Yeah, that was Daphne. So that was like one of our first appearances besides being like in the crowd and doing the awesome Kong thing. But um, AEW coverage. There we go. Talking about guys who, who changed their names. Uh, I want to say as far as Dynamite goes, was it so Dynamite? To me, there wasn't really much to, to look forward to other than CM Punk's third uh, appearance and, and talking some more, I want to say. Um, the first segment that opened up was a tag team match. It was Orange Cassidy and, oh, dude, who was the other guy that was with Orange Cassidy? I think it was, no, was it Orange Cassidy? No, it was, um, no, it wasn't FTR. I'm trying to remember what the first match was. It was a tag team match. And I don't know if it was 
FTR versus Tito and uh, ah, dude, what is that guy's name? I don't know the I don't know who's the tag team that's uh the the two Spanish guys, Tito and and somebody else. Was it the guys that that were in Bullet Club? Were they in Bullet Club? They I like when I saw that video because I think I saw it yesterday. It was the Young Bucks and those two guys, Santana. Yeah, because they did a super kick in the middle of the ring, all four of them, and it just didn't end well. You know, people say, what is it? With WWE, people say that that they're losing people. Um, I just want to say right now, because that is going to be something we talk about, is that a lot of the speculation has been like based around, like, oh, WWE's like, cutting all these guys, that they're, they're sucking. And, and I'm not going to disagree. I didn't like SummerSlam. I didn't care for it. There's two matches I watched it for. That's what I liked about it. Other than that, it was to me just another another pay per view. But WWE is pretty much cutting costs at the waist. So it's, it's decisions that we might not agree with, like losing Bobby Fish. Um, Adam Cole is not going to resign. Uh, so that's another big loss right there. NXT itself, we're going to be talking about the rebranding, and that this is all kind of part of it. But um, I give credit to WWE where credit is due. They've been a company that's been in business for at least 40 years. This has happened before. Uh, P- TNA in, in its peak was kind of like the WCW 2.0 to me, but then they quickly fell off in 2011. And much like WCW, like WCW also had its own flaws and therefore caved in on itself, and WWE just had to wait 83 weeks to do so. So I never doubt the big dog. I'm not by far saying, oh, I'm a WWE fan, like AEW is whatever, it's going to fold. I'm just a fan now. And that's the best part about being just a fan. I, I can, we can all look at a bigger picture when we're just a fan and we take both companies and we see their faults and we see the good in them. Me, I'm not going to just totally dog on WWE and just say they're the worst. I think what WWE is doing right now is executive planning, cut, again, cutting costs at the waist and finding a way to re-envision themselves. So they're not allowing independent people in anymore that they used to. So we're not going to get another CM Punk in WWE that came from Ring of Honor or Impact or aw or wherever like they're going to train their guys from the inside out which some people say oh that's dumb but if you work for any type of business including retail you'll find that those businesses rather you come in green and learn their way rather than having this particular way that you've learned come in and then and learn their way you know what i mean yeah thank you for the four bits like they say history repeats itself i mean like look at the early 2000s with the wwe they had just you know the same guys wrestling every monday and friday night and then it towards the end it was dx coming out and raining havoc on everybody and it's kind of the same way now where you have the same people coming or well not because they're split but it's the same people every week and then you have your monsters that just run over everybody with bobby lashley and also roman reigns that would be your dx in this scenario so I'm thinking that there's going to set up for another huge boom and have like another uh, ruthless aggression era. Something may be close, but they're not going to hit the same height as they did back then. It's it's weird because I feel like there was just something about the spark between Rock and Austin that happened. You know, that's like it's never going to happen again. And it's true. I mean, WWE has, has tried twice now. This is This is twice that they're trying to do it, where they're trying to take what was magic that was just – happened and they're trying to forcefully create that magic and but there's also like the the circumstances is that there's not 
Like to me, CM Punk and Daniel Bryan were the opportunistic next rock in Austin to me. Like something big enough that fans could care about that did care about them since the early days of Ring of Honor to coming into WWE. You know, these are two guys that we watched like AJ Styles from their from their their roots all the way to where they are now. You know, those are our guys. But then, you know, for people that are fans of Roman Reigns, people that are our fans of Seth Rollins and John Cena and Randy Orton, you know, I can't sit there and say myself, I mean I can because it's my show and I'm going to, but I can't say for myself that, you know, those guys aren't the next rock in Austin just because I don't agree with it or fans like me agree with it. You know, it's it in the in the end it's about the people that are watching and since I'm not watching, I can't count myself, you know, but for the guys that are casuals that are just like, oh, Roman Reigns, I love that guy, or Seth Rollins, I love that guy. They don't know anybody else. Or John Cena and Randy Orton. You know, these guys are role models to these casual fans, to even people that are diehards that are fans of theirs. You know, they have a following, so that following is going to be the majority in this situation. So they might see them as the next Rock in Austin. But to me, as a fan, I'm going to say no. I'm going to say no. There's no such thing as another Rock in Austin. But WWE has, has forced this mold and created this mold where your next Rock in Austin, unfortunately, by default, was John Cena and Randy Orton. There was nobody else that could kind of take the, you know, take the front of the company and be that guy. So whether or not I like that, that's the facts. Two, like 2000s, Ruthless Aggression Era, John Cena and Randy Orton, those were the next two big guys. Roman Reigns, Seth Rollins, those are your next two big guys. Because you can't count Daniel Bryan and you can't count CM Punk anymore. Both those guys are out of the equation, so you take them out, and there you go. Those are your next two guys, right? So it is it is but, a generational thing. But I mean, even with like John Cena and Randy Orton, they also had they were wrestling guys like Kurt Angle and obviously a young Brock Lesnar, Goldberg, or Goldberg out of there by then. Didn't they leave like, in two thousand seven? Oh, he was he but was like, out of there. But besides the point, like they had other professional wrestlers that were That's experienced. Right, and now the WWE is cutting all the experienced guys and letting the young guns come up and try to do something. But it just seems like I said, they're going to stick with the formula of having the monsters dominate. Cause that's what Vince likes is the big, strong, muscly guys, man. And that's a perfect segue to talk about that NXT rebranded. Should we just swap the topics? Let's do it. We'll swap the topics around. We'll get well. So, did you, did you know that Vince is going to be doing the um, NXT rebranding? Like, he's going to be running it now? Yeah, I heard about that. But they don't know if uh, Triple H is going to take over the main roster, which I highly doubt that. But I just don't like the fact that Vince is taking over and now NXT is probably going to be ruined. It already is. They're doing a rebranding. Oh, like, yeah. why, why fix something that was already good and then cut, like, your roster of like guys that are, like, that made NXT what it was? Dude, Adam Cole, the Undisputed Era, that was the Undisputed Era of NXT. NXT ruled the ratings before AEW came in. And then AEW was something that NXT could compete with because the Raw and SmackDown brands definitely weren't. You know what I mean? Like, AEW was a real competition for NXT. The main roster is a joke. That's why guys like Finn Balor and Samoa Joe are back in NXT because, dude, like, you get to the main roster and you expect, like, this CM Punk-type push. Like, you're going to go somewhere. And then you end up like Ricochet and just like, unfortunately, even Baron Corbin guys who were like doing stuff that were important. And now they're just, you know, part of the show. They end up on Saturday night main event of all things, which you know is dead. Nobody's watching that. Yeah. I mean, the only time I'm watching WWE was for NXT. 
I mean, Same. especially when Dusty. The, the only reason I was watching NXT or WWE in general was because of NXT. Like watching War Games uh, for their pay per view is huge. One of, like one of the most exciting matches I've ever watched in my life. I mean, I watched a bunch of matches where I was excited till you know the final bell, but I mean nothing can well everything could compare to War Games, but War Games was nuts. You never knew I, what was going to happen. I think that was a good way to to reinvigorate the War Games aspect. Uh, NXT has been once to really do that, like take that opportunity to bring something back um, and do it and make it like awesome. Like, well, Cody Rhodes wanted to bring back Starcade for AEW and wanted to do things such as um, Bash at the Beach, which he did. I think these younger companies and these younger guys and just the younger mindset is that you take into account that guys like me who are like 31 years old that have been watching for like 20, 20 years and then guys that have been watching for 10 years, no matter like who, who how long you've been watching, just know you've been watching long enough to watch the product and watch like those generational changes and see those changes happen, like, real-time, like Stone Cold retiring, The Rock retiring, Shawn Michaels retiring, Triple H retiring. Watching these guys go, you know, you're still there, but the guys that you were watching are all now gone. So watching these things transition and watching the evolution of wrestling, you know, just take that with a grain of salt. We, we've been watching the product forever, so we know what's good and what's bad. What we talk about as fans, like, I've had many conversations with you in private, just talking wrestling. And I talk about how I was talking about the Four Horsemen for AEW, stuff like that. Like the storylines we came up with as fans, like what we'd want to see. You know, that's us thinking that we're good bookers, even though we're just fans and we just have these ideas and they sound cool in our head. Um, these are guys that like this is the long term for them. So like even though like NXT doing the great things like War Games, um, it's not working anymore because, again, you see on Twitter all the time, people are posting AEW. This is how many people watched NXT. Like I don't know why – they decided to go for the best thing in WWE going, which is NXT. Like, why they're going to compare those ratings? They had to. It's like the best thing going, but at the same time, it's like NXT is the only thing that's like keeping them afloat for a lot of fans. Like, a lot of people that have been watching for a very long time got into this NXT because NXT used to be um, guys like Derek Bateman, aka uh, Eric Carter the Third, who were like walking around with Daniel Bryan as a coach, and it wasn't really anything more than like a glorified tough enough. It wasn't even a real show at that point. And then season two and season three came along, and then it started to change. And then it became its own thing, its own brand. And then you watch that brand be as good as it is to now they got to do a rebranding. They're cutting people. You know, is it going to go back to tough enough? What are they going to do? I sure hope it doesn't go back to tough enough. <laughs> that, I mean, I remember going to Mohegan Sun and watching that and just being like, yeah, that was a good chuckle for a few minutes. But it's like that. What is this? It was just a game show. That's all it was. But you're in a wrestling they, ring. Like, it they, makes no sense. Yeah. And then they built it up to something great. And obviously, they're not winning the Wednesday night wars with AEW. But, I mean, that shouldn't matter because they're drawing in more, more ratings than Raw and SmackDown. I just think that. I don't like so that's the one thing I don't like about the whole wars thing is because like AEW's been around for three years, almost three years coming up. And I understand, you know, the company's already been going for three years strong. So why not hype it up and, and make it, you know, this is the next big thing. But let something grow in the privacy of your own, you know, you're watching it, you're enjoying it, you're talking about it. 
but I think it's I think it's just too early. I just I don't like the whole Warriors thing because now it's just be like, it's it's almost like an angle. Like a new company comes in, like coexists, and like that's the thing. The mentality is that fans put in into everybody else's minds is that this is a war, so you got to hate one and love the other, and the, whichever side you're on, you know, it's just like politics and, and, and debates. Like you can have a debate and still respect the person that you're having a debate with. Politics, people get split up, and wrestling politics are the same way. People get split up. And instead of having that, oh, I understand your side. I understand what this is about. Like, I don't agree with it, but I understand what you're talking about. No, it's more like like a guy has an opinion, and then I'll see it on Facebook. The guy gets just gets, like, ripped into by, like, 60, like, AW fans. And then, like, the WWE fans come and make, this, you know, this is disrespectful. You know, this would never happen. This is why I don't watch wrestling anymore. This is why I'm not watching AEW. And then it's just, like, a whole thing. It's just a whole thing. You know what I mean? Like, we, we I, I, I like, come I like wrestling in general. What's that? Yeah, we just all we just all need to come together and you know just respect wrestling for what it is and not focus on views. I don't know because some fans are way too casual and like that's the thing. Like me being a mark, like I'm I'm not casual in the term of I'm casual now because I'm watching WWE casually, but I'm now getting invested in AEW. I'll watch WWE's like pay per views. Um, it's hard for me to want to watch Raw and SmackDown with gritted teeth and like yeah I can do this, especially with Pat McAfee. But I'm trying my best here, guys. I'm trying my best to watch it for you and more so for me. But if I'm going to be honest, Raw and SmackDown are not for me, dude. Honestly, not for me. However, um, I, I just I, I just can't, dude. Pat McAfee, there's something about him. It's just so there's nothing interesting going on right now because you, you're not going to get the good stuff like Edge until pay-per-view-wise because Edge isn't going to just come out and wrestle on a Raw. He'll come out like CM Punk and he'll talk you know, or even SmackDown. He'll come out and talk, or he'll do something, but he's not going to wrestle because Edge is meant to have these matches to end his career, so he's going to have meaningful matches. He's not going to waste it on a Raw. He's going to wrestle when he re- wants to wrestle, and those are going to be pay-per-views. Those are the big money money shows, and that's when he's going to do his appearances. You know what I mean? Like, So unless he's on TV talking in, in jeans and getting attacked, like the dude ain't going to wrestle. Yeah, that's all they're going to do. Cut the promo, get jumped, and then you know throw a spear here and there. You know, it's not much, much to it. They're going to take the Brock Lesnar approach to it, except they're going to be cutting promos every week. And have have a nice, interesting ponytail to come out to. Yeah. Yeah, I don't <laughs> know what that's about, but, I mean, I like the beard, just not the ponytail. Dude, Ronda Rousey's back. What are you talking about? She got roided up, and she's ready to go. Oh, she's coming back? She already came back. That's Brock Lesnar, oh. dude. Oh yeah, Matt is the least exciting thing about the roster. Honestly, you know what? I I, I, I shit on the man, and that's my first swear jar. Thank you, Pat McAfee, for the swear jar. Um, I shit on him, but for people that are watching Pat McAfee, he did bring in people to watch, like eyes to watch. I don't know who, but he brought in a lot of people apparently because his his show, his podcast, is popular. So, I mean, good on them that they got somebody who's popular and has a following. For that following to now put like new eyes on WWE who may have never watched in the, before, but are watching because of Pat McAfee. But seriously, f Pat McAfee, dude, right here. All right, I can't say it, but I'm showing it. AW results, dude. I don't see. That's the thing. When Nick comes in, I, I found out who it is that talks the most. It's me. It's me. It's not Nick. Shock. 
FTR was against Santino and Ortiz in, in the beginning. It's the first match that opened up the show. Um, I was shocked because I, you know, with with the turnbuckle hook that cut open um, Cash Wheeler's arm, they were talking about how they might not be able to wrestle again. Like, they might retire. Well, obviously, um, was it, Dash Wilder? He can still wrestle, but I don't think he's going to wrestle without Cash Wheeler. They're just, they go together, you know? Like peas in a pod. tag team for how long now? Pat McAfee is scared to face me. He should be, rightfully so. Uh, they've been together, what, even in the indies? Isn't that how they came in? They were part of the indies, and then WWE signed them to NXT. Yeah, they, and Yeah, went through NXT, then went up to the main roster. Yeah, so, I mean, I'd say four or five years, maybe. So, I mean, they've been together for a while now. Maybe so, even yeah. seven years. I mean, they've been around when CM Punk left. I don't know. Yeah, I, I think you're right. If one's not wrestling, I don't think the other one will. Because that's really how they, I guess, built up their steam to become who they are today. They're old school, you know. They're that's why they are the the revival, dude. The, the revival of old school wrestling. These guys wrestle old school. Um, I never really dug them in WWE. I, I wasn't really a fan of them even before. Um, but I'm starting to warm up to them and seeing what the hype was always about with them. Uh, I'm not gonna say they're the greatest wrestlers in the world, but I like their I like their style. I like that they're hanging out with Tolly. You know, like I I like just the idea of them. And again, talk about my whole four horsemen thing with you and I've talked about it on my podcast. Like I am now sitting around that, like one of the few things besides CM Punk and Daniel Bryan that I'm interested in the most in AEW is FTR and more so this four horsemen angle I talked about. Um, if you weren't here for that, I mentioned that it would be cool if uh, like Bray Wyatt came into AEW, took over the dark order. You got Eric Rowan there, Braun Strowman, maybe um, if he, Signs of impact and then does a thing with Dark Order or whatever. What's up, Ty? How you doing? Thanks for joining us. We're talking AEW coverage and we're just talking all things AEW, WWE, um, you name it. We're talking about it. But yeah, um, I think having Bray Wyatt be like the leader of the Dark Order come in and take over and have Eric Rowan there and then maybe Braun Strowman, kind of like a Wyatt family Dark Order thing. I think it'd be cool for both stables to combine. Uh, it's not something that necessarily needs to happen. It just to me, for Four Horsemen to make sense, is Adam Page obviously can't be in the Dark Order if if he's the main guy. He's facing uh, Kenny Omega, you know, the World Heavyweight Champion. That's his that's his rival. You know, who better to rival the elite than a new Four Horsemen that's faces coming in as faces and Adam Page being the leader of it? You know, putting FTR and Adam Page in that mix. Uh, then comes the questions of Brian Pillman Jr. and well, the only other guy I can think of is Cody Rhodes. So I talked about that before. I'm not going to get too much into it now because it's just hypotheticals and what ifs, what have you. But that's one of my biggest interests. So FTR as a group, I actually enjoyed this match. I was hoping that they win to face the Young Bucks because this match was uh, number one contenders match. Whoever won got to basically they're going to face the Young Bucks. So for the tag team titles, I believe at All Out, if I'm not mistaken. And Santana and Ortiz won the match, which I don't know why they were wearing uh, black and white face paint. I don't know if it was for Vampiro or whatever, but San, uh, was it Santana that did the Three Amigos? If people watch nice. Jake Paul's fights, imagine Rick versus Pat in a cage match. I'd, I'd pay to see that, Rick. How much? You know, standard pay-per-view price. Yeah, but I'm, well, are we talking like sixty dollars, like pay per view to like buy, or are we talking like for like seats, like that kind of price? 
Well, I mean, seats are going to be expensive. That's that's going to be the showdown of the ages right there. I mean, Pat McAfee alone is going to at least bring in people who pay like, uh, like 500 bucks, 600 bucks for front row. So say say what you want, but even if I'm not the one bringing in the 600 bucks for the front seats, you know, we will have the money on us. Mm-hmm. $60 for the pay-per-view, you're going to pay it to watch. For those of you that are free streaming it, smart. But... <laughs> I, I wouldn't pay to see that match. I would crush that, dude. I don't care that he kicked Adam Cole in the head. This ain't wrestling to me. Did you actually watch the match that he had with Adam Cole? No, I did not. It, it was actually pretty good. He had one spot where he was trying to go for a superplex. Adam Cole pushed him off. He ended up like running and jumping up to the top turnbuckle or the middle turnbuckle, and then ended up superplexing him. But, you know, Adam Cole kicked out and eventually beat him. How, how long do you think he, he uh, practiced in the ring doing that match? Like, how many practice matches do you think they went through before shooting that live? I'd say a lot because from, like, watching the Pat McAfee show, he got drunk one night and just bought a wrestling ring and then started training from somebody, which I, I think they took a jab at it in NXT. They said he needed the money for, like, booze and everything. Sal Bandini want to wrestle? Probably, I'm saying he probably did at least, like, two months worth of practicing for that maybe three i mean because short notice yeah and and then they go even through the basics like you know um hip drops and scoop slams uh they don't even teach you how to do a ddt when you when you when you start off like you have to some people might but like the, the my trainer he wouldn't do it like right off the bat like you had to get a few matches in first and then like you would learn how to do the more dangerous moves the ones that require you to land on your head. Like, that's not something that you're just going to say, hey, you're green, dude. This is, like, your second time doing a fake wrestling match. You're going to sell a DDT. So I would definitely imagine that would be, like, two to three months. <laughs> yeah. I mean, I don't think Dave Meltzer scored it very high, but I thought it was pretty good. What do you think he uh, gave uh, FTR versus Santana and Ortiz? I'd say probably, like, three. It wasn't a bad three match. Months. I mean, I'm not. It like, wasn't, but Dave. When Dave Meltzer comes through, when it comes to ratings with Dave Meltzer, he's like, I don't know. He doesn't really give out five stars that often. That's a certain people. Then I'll give it out like it's yeah. Up. But as far as like that first match goes, I think it was a solid opener. Um, I was actually more into it than I thought it would be. I'm not. I wasn't like super thrilled about it. I was just thrilled about the idea that Cash Willow was wrestling after getting that turnbuckle hook to the to the arm. So it gives me hope that there is still a chance for, you know, FTR to continue, which, you know, health comes first, man. So I'm not going to sit there and, and hate on him if he decides that this is it. But um, I just do hope for the best for him that, you know, that he can continue his career and I have to end out and go out this way, you know, this early because they're young. That's not even fair, Haven Shine. That's not even fair, dude. Pat is a guy who's got like – Six million followers, and I got six right now. Okay, I'm like I'm working up there. I'm the underdog. Pat's got nothing to worry about. This dude's got a following, no matter what he says. I'm doing the best I can to watch what I'm saying. That's even hard enough as it is. It's not even fair. But the next the next thing that happened on AEW was our boy CM Punk came out to talk again for the third time consecutively. And now I'm not hating on it. I'm loving Punk, dude. It's the reason why I'm watching. But for me, I'm just, I think I'm ready for Sunday. I, I'm done with the talking. I'm done with it coming out talking. I'm, I'm ready for Sunday. 
Unfortunately, we have one more show that he's going to be talking on, which is Rampage, before the big show. So we're just going to have to put up with that. And I don't know what they're going to do, but basically Punk came out again. Um, same talk, same everything, you know. He was well, he, this time. This time he did say he was nervous. Nervous, and yes. Scared to get into the ring. I could see why. It's been seven years since he's wrestled. I mean, yes, he did UFC, but that's not the same. Honestly, I think that, that probably hurt his career the most for a lot of wrestling fans that were big fans of him that decided to turn their backs after was um, the people that weren't so much CM Punk fans uh, were just chomping at the bit the moment that he lost his his first UFC fight. And that's all it was, was if you remember on, on social media, uh, everybody was against Punk at that point. Like, you know, not a lot of people were willing to be like, I'm a CM Punk fan out loud. Like, a lot of people were against him and then turned a lot of people against him because if you were – like in punk and see uh in UFC, you know, like you're gonna get made fun of for for being a fan of his and he's a wrestler and people would just wait to see that he'd lose and be like, Hey, your boy uh lost his fight, just so you know, because he's not a real UFC fighter. Like so Jose Canseco was not a real UFC fighter too, but nobody's sitting there bashing on Jose Canseco for being an MMA fighter, you know. Or freaking like yeah. Batista dude who like sucked just as bad. The only person that was probably good out of this misfit group of people that do MMA is the Green Ranger, and he had like four wins. And he wanted to fight CM Punk. I remember that being the biggest thing too was Jason David Frank, Tommy Oliver, the Green Ranger wanted to fight CM Punk and said CM Punk was was ignoring his challenges. So I think the thing with CM Punk was when when he first got onto the scene with ECW, he was labeled as a Muay Thai expert. Yeah, that was part of the problem, that whole Muay Thai thing that he was always boasting about. Like, I'm a Muay Thai specialist. And the only thing he was really a specialist in was being straight edge. Doing the, he was very good at wrestling. That's like, what he would do. That was his thing, like, showing that he was a Muay Thai yeah. expert. And his little uh, forearm combo that he would do where he'd jump in the air and then, like, the, the palm strike they would do. Well, also that, do, like, that whole like too. Yeah, the head kick. That, that became his infamous com- the comeback kick. sequence. It was, it was good a couple of times. Like, when he'd nail it right, it looked good. Oh, yeah. But, I mean, like, towards the later years where it looks like he was just throwing his leg up to hit it. Pretty much. Like, he, like he's obviously rusty. So, like, this, the whole point of this um, promo was to admit that he was nervous. And then he got attacked by the, the job squad over here in 2.0, Daniel Garcia in 2.0. And, like, they attacked him, and then they awkwardly paused and hesitated, and then they kept attacking him. And then Darby Allen Sting came out, kind of walked slowly down the ramp first, and then they ran. And then they attacked the uh, 2.0, and then um, Punk was going at Garcia in the ring, and it led to all three of them sending these guys packing with Punk, giving uh, what people were calling a weak GTS um, in the ring. Again, this dude hasn't wrestled in seven years, so it wasn't supposed to look that great, and he's in jeans. Some people are like, oh, I wrestled in jeans before. It's not that bad. Whatever. Uh, dude's legs look bulkier knee pads and kick pads. So, honestly, like, he was going to look a little weird doing it anyways because he's just wearing skinny jeans. But I'm sure when he's in the gear, it'll look a lot better. Uh, he'll have more time to do it. The dude was nervous. This is the first time he's picking up somebody to do a move. And again, I'm, I'm seeing critics on Twitter like, it's a good thing that they fed him a cruiserweight so that way he could do his finisher, you know. But when it comes down to Sunday, is he going to be the same? Well, it's the first GTS we've seen in, what, seven years? And who knows if he's done one? There's the Kenta, too, but years. we mean in America, not Japan. For those of us who respect our boy Kenta and, and then go to sleep. 
But yes, I know what you're saying. It's the first time we're seeing the GTS from CM Punk. Besides doing it to AJ Lee, first time we're seeing it in a ring in 2021, seven years later. You know, it honestly, I'd be nervous too. Like, it's not like the diamond cutter where you just like grab a guy and you drop down or whatever. And you like, you like, you got to pick a guy up on your shoulders. You got to make sure you can hold this guy. And then you got to lift him up off your shoulders forwards and drop him and, and make your knee connect so it looks good, even though it kind of hit the guy's arm. Yeah. I mean, he did look a little rusty, but let's hope Sunday it's, it's another five star match for good old CM Punk. I, I don't know if it'd be five stars, but I definitely think, um, I think him and Darby, since they're the main event, there's going to be a lot to show. Uh, even Sting was like, oh, I'm going to I'm gonna come out and I'm going to fist bump my partner and then I'm going to leave. So he's kind of hinting shades that, you know, he's not going to be there for the match. I feel like somebody's going to interfere in that match. And my somebody I think that's going to interfere in the match is, realistically speaking, 2.0 have welcome Nick, my co-host, by the way. Thank you for joining us. Bang, bang. I can't hear you. Can't hear you. All right. I'm going to keep going while you're fixing that. Um, <laughs> I think 2.0 and Garcia have the best momentum to be the guys. If I don't think CM Punk's going to win. That's the thing. I don't think he's going to win his match back. It doesn't make sense um, for him to come in, like talk about how he's going to wrestle the younger talent like Darby Allen, and then he's going to turn around and win the match um, cleanly, if that, by burying him. I don't think that's going to happen. I think, if anything, Darby Allen's going to win and probably not by how he's going to want. And if anything, it would be 2.0 and Garcia. That is he realistically being the guys to come in, interrupt this this love fest that we have going on, and it gives them an opportunity to do Darby Allen and CM Punk with Sting versus 2.0, you know, tri- triple, you know, six-man tag team match or whatever. It gives them an opportunity to do it for, like, Dynamite or Rampage. Uh, that is a, a very real possibility that they would – because everybody's calling them jobbers, so this would be a perfect opportunity for them to prove that they're not by attacking CM Punk during his biggest match, his, his debut, and costing him the match. By the way, uh, I, Ty, I know this is a little late, but my favorite wrestler of all time, if it's not Stone Cold Steve Austin. Uh, CM Punk and Jeff Hardy. In that order? That would be Jeff Hardy first because that, that was honestly – the first wrestler I really got into when I first got into wrestling. And then obviously when CM Punk came around ECW, it kind of switched over. I didn't have the pleasure of watching the ring of honor matches with Samoa Joe and all them and watching him actually build up his character. So, I mean, I guess like in terms of like WWE, my first favorite was Jeff Hardy. So I'm with you on that one. Um, uh, another one that I was really enjoyed uh, was WCW mainly was Sting, uh, Hollywood Hogan, Diamond Dallas Page. Still can't hear you, Nick. Diamond Dallas Page, DDP, too cool, dude. He was always he was he was the original Stone Cold to me. Like I can hear you now, a little quiet, but I can hear you. Guess Wanted dead or alive, dude. Bang bang. That's why you're doing the bang bang. Well, That's bang right. bang, this is uh, Bone Cold Pete Austin over here. In case you're wondering who our guest is. Uh, see, my my feng shui is messed up there because of the. Hold on, I'll get it. I'll get it. Hold on. I just like the fact that you're wearing a Cactus Jack shirt. Deal. Well, I'm Carlito Caribbean Tool. Yeah, he's Car- Carlito Caribbean Tool. Uh, to, to this week I'm Cactus Jack off. 
Cactus Jackass, dude. <laughs> and the show, dude. What is it? Seven forty-eight, dude. That's great. Let's let's call it a night, dude. That's awesome. I want to end on that note. They can't get any better than that, dude. Cat Cactus Jackass, bro. I love it. That's a sick ass, sick ass guy, dude. That's three in the square jar. I'm willing to do it. Oh, I I will say that um, yeah, AEW like the rest of it was not really to me anything exciting to watch. Uh, did you watch it all, Nick? Did you watch AEW Dynamite? And he's gone. All right, MJF. Uh, that was what. So the big thing was MJF and, and and Chris Jericho hyping up their match for All Out. Uh, Jericho putting his his career on the line. And MJF sat in the chair and talked to Tony Schiavone and just was MJF. And then Jericho speaks afterwards in the ring, talking about his career, how he started in Chicago, like in WWE, and like how he if he's going to go out, he might as well end it in the same place he started. Bunch of stuff. Basically saying, oh, I still have it in me. You're going to have to kill me to, to, to make me, you know, give up my career or whatever. And then I it sat in it. And it sat with me and realized that uh, this could be like the last time, like at all out, that we hear his theme song. So, the last time we'll hear him sing it too. Because I can't hear him. You can't hear me? I don't know if they can hear me. I can hear you, kind of. All, all you need to know, I can't do sign language. That's all I can do is hi. But I can hear you. All right. Anyways, um, by the way, so I will say this: so MJF took part in an interview with Tony Schiavone. They did Orange Cassidy. That's the match I was I was thinking about. Orange Cassidy and Jack Evans, and Orange Cassidy rolls them up during a commercial break. They have a commercial break going. They have the the pit sc- the, the pit screen right next to it, and he wins in the in the in in this commercial spot like of all the, the times to be doing a commercial and end the match like they did some sick stuff too doing like i was i was i was like looking at my my screen of my phone like that and i was just like looking as close as i possibly could to see what was going on dude jack evans was doing something cool off the top turnbuckle with like orange cassidy and i'm just like why are they doing this cool stuff like if it was me if it's a commercial break they're on top of the turnbuckle they were fighting over a superplex thing i would have just melted that spot until they came back from commercial break i would have been up there like oh he's trying to fight for the struggle and then when they came back do whatever you're supposed to do that's a smart way to go no they ended up doing some cool stuff during the commercial break and then all of a sudden like it ends with orange cassidy i i blink for a second the dude rolls him up pins him and i'm just like there's no audio so i didn't know that he won until it was like the referee's holding his hand and i was like what what, did he just really went off of that roll up, and he did, because he kind of rolled off him right after he did it. It's the most devastating move in all of wrestling: the surprise roll up. I just couldn't believe that 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 happened. But what was more interesting after that was, um, was the best friends came out to try to make a save on um, on that because Hardy attacked him and then sent all those dudes out from uh, the HFO. They all came out and they were attacking him. So like the best friends tried to come out. Not Trent. He's he's still dealing with his injury, but, but um, what's left of the show they got disposed of? And I think uh, was it? It was just Jurassic Express that came out, and then they saved them. Like they just ran out the two of them, and the whole 
Hardy's whole faction slid out of the ring and vamoosed over two guys, one big dinosaur and little tiny fairy, dude. I <laughs> I don't understand. Like, hey. Some guys are dangerous right there. Jurassic Express. How would you sell the idea of watching wrestling to someone new without using history and legends of WWE? Rick, you can hear me now, right? Yeah, you're very quiet, but I can hear you. I can hear the sound of you going into that bag of chips more than I can hear anything else. What is that? Hey, it's only chips if you're English. Because it will be some fish and chips. I'm going to be eating some chips. Here, I'll, I'll try to be quiet since my mic is barely working anyway. I like, I like that this man decided. Like, I, I respectfully ate my Slim Jims before this show, but I'll give you props for eating fish and chips on, on a pond showing up. Thank you. Um <laughs> How would you sell the idea of wrestling without without he- like legends and, and history? I guess I guess it would be a matter of I would take the best matches that have happened without names and describe them and hope for the best, like death matches. I guess I, it, it depends on the person and what they like. Like if you're more into hardcore stuff, I think it would be you, you'd have to like kind of focus to the hardcore stuff that's going on now. Same thing with like people that are like, well, I like Olympic wrestling. You're gonna have to appeal to them by talking about the most technical people that are in the in the show today without being a legend. Um, can't really can't really do the history part. I mean, what do you guys think? Without using uh, history, without using legends, how can you sell the idea difficult. of watching? It's just I mean, pack, Rick. It's like action-packed soap opera with muscles. I mean, you don't have to lean on like. The names, because if someone's oblivious to wrestling, they're going to be oblivious to wrestling all the time. So think about how many people that were like born in 2000 that don't know Hulk Hogan is, or Bruno San Martino, or Buddy Rogers, or Harley Race. Well, well, even casual wrestling fans don't know who Harley Race, Buddy Rogers, and Bruno San Martino are. You know who Hulk Hogan is. They they are more familiar with Roman Reigns than they are Harley Race. You know. Mm Mm-hmm. Because that's the guy who's being presented. I guess that would be the way. Yeah, he was in the Fast and the Furious, you know. If you never watched, he was he was also Aquaman, apparently. Even though that was our, our other buddy who was like seven feet tall. Um, G- I think, honestly, the way that you would get people into wrestling would be uh, is they have to relate to something. So if they've never seen Stone Cold Steve Austin, they've never seen The Rock, they've never seen how promos gone before, um, it's about being relatable. So I think even without the history, without the legends, it's just a matter of finding somebody on that roster that they can relate to to get them into wrestling. Like, you know, they're watching for the first times. They don't know who Roman Reigns is, but they watch this guy and they're like, oh, man, I got a ponytail too. I, I punch people in the face all the time too. Like, I can relate to this guy. You know, I, I'm a chief of a table too, dude. You Like, I tell people to acknowledge me all the time. Like, I think it's just about being relatable. I always start with um, like showing them an example of something. So depending on the person I've- like a hell in the cell, mankind versus the Undertaker kind of thing. You don't know how you don't have to know who either one of those guys is to know that that match is insane. Ooh, dream triple threat match. Hell in the celery. Uh, apparently, there's rage in the cage, and there's uh hate in the crate, like with the wrestling crates. That's been a new fad. 
So like people are taking like I seen a meme of like the hell in a cell, but I sh- I showed you Bobby, it was and I showed you Nick. It was replaced with a milk crate going over the ring. That was that was clever. I do like and that. Then people try and then people try to climb up it or what? <laughs> they go down. I mean, I guess Casper even tried to do it too. Broke his neck. Casper the ghost. Uh, that's how he died. That's how he died in the movie. It wasn't that he got he like couldn't find his way home in the cold. It was that he tried the crate challenge. And <laughs> he died. tried. He tried the crate challenge. That was it. I mean, I don't know, Austin. What would what would your triple threat be? I mean, obviously, I'm gonna go Hardy Boys. Because every time Matt and Jeff had a match together, it was always exciting. Especially if it's an Extreme Rules match. But um, probably them. I don't know. I'd probably throw... Probably Batista. I always liked Batista. The Hardys versus Batista? Yeah. It's a little weird, but I won't knock it. they They would team up on Batista. And then after that, Matt just turns his back on Jeff like he always does. You'd say that'd be a little bit too predictable, though, wouldn't it? Why wouldn't Jeff turn on Matt? Because we all know it doesn't go like that. Maybe, maybe Roman. Jeff Reigns turns up himself. No, no. Uh, Roman Reigns shows up. That's the real swerve. And teams up with yeah. Batista. What about you, Nick? What would your triple threat be? Are we talking time and space, and all that is thrown out the window, right? I can pick any era, any person, any wrestler. Ty, or what? Since you since you made the uh, the initial challenge of the triple threat, anybody goes, anything goes in terms of the the perfect. Yep, space and time continuum doesn't matter. You could have RoboCop show up from WCW. I don't. I guess I guess that would be a thing. Man, there's just a lot of stuff running through my head. Maybe like a Prime Sean versus a Prime. This is a triple threat. You said right? Yep. Prime Sean. Versus AJ Styles, and uh, you know, like maybe pr- as much as I love Christopher Daniels, maybe just replace Christopher Daniels in that triple threat in TNA, and just go Joe, AJ, and Sean. Would be interesting to me because you got because the thing with Joe and the reason he was in that triple threat and why it was such a good match. Is because he's the, I want to say, antithesis to Styles and uh, Christopher Daniels, but he he made it work. Those three together, like he's just enough of a high flyer to 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 match them. But he's he's such a powerhouse. He's such a force. He made that work. And so maybe replacing Daniels with Sean, because if I gotta have a third, because if you do Punk, Styles, and michaels then it, it's it, maybe it's too much of a two the styles are too similar you know what i mean yeah because i was so, thinking like alex shelley prime william regal and like brian Danielson or prime bret hart look but at the same time all the styles are very similar so even though i'd love right, to right. see a technical match like that i think it just you need something to like kane versus triple h versus Shawn michaels you had something there a little spice of life for each guy that's what made it really great uh so mm-hmm. I can I can relate to that. Like somebody has to be a little bit different. Kane was a bigger guy, mm-hmm. doing like kind of like the powerhouse moves type deal, and just being the ultimate like a different persona there, as opposed to a fast pace that Shawn Michaels would do. He was there to kind of slow the pace, or right, even Christian Wall that match. 
like like that's why Brett and Sean worked because they're both really crisp but had different styles. Like Brett's trying to and bit different attitudes to ground you. You know, he's trying to break you down like body wise, the excellence of execution and the and the ring technician that he is. And Sean's no slouch either technically, but he also has that. Uh, the spice of his high flying nature and the, and the kind of daredevil stuff. So that's why that works. So like you're saying, you got to have one technical guy, one high flyer, one powerhouse, and then you're probably pretty set. I think I would do Sean versus Austin versus rock. Like if, if I had to choose like my, my triple threat to a main event, WrestleMania, like those are three guys that I thoroughly enjoyed that I could see put on a great match. And probably would be like the best triple threat match that I possibly could ever see just because of how they can entertain. Me personally, that match sticks out. I want to have something with Alex Shelley in it, dude. I really do. He's like my favorite wrestler of the modern time. Um, I think honestly what would be cool is we saw AJ, Daniels, and, and Joe. That was probably my favorite uh, modern-day triple threat match that's ever happened um, in TNA. It was the best showcasing I've ever seen. I learned a lot from that match. Um, the matches that I made doing WWE, uh, 2000 was it SVR 2007. Uh, a lot of spots I took, like from a triple threat match I did from that match, like the the uh, monkey flip into the Huracarana spot from the corner. Uh, that was probably one of the things that stand out the most to me. But I would have something like that where it'd be like Alex Shelley, maybe or CM Punk. Okay, if you had Joe, AJ, and Daniels, I would do CM Punk. Dan O'Brien and Alex Shelley. I think that that would work. Um, definitely three styles that work really well together. Uh, three guys that have worked a lot in the past together. And it would be kind of the same idea to me as Daniels, AJ and Joe. But the only thing I liked about Joe, as opposed to this is that Joe was the bigger guy, but showed that he could do the technical stuff, but he was also like a powerhouse. Like he was the guy doing the two for one special. Like he was throwing both of them around and he was just ultimately a savage. Right. Well, and what I liked about that triple threat with Daniels and, and Styles and Joe was um remember when AJ gets Joe up in the rack in the torture rack for a second. Oh my god, and dude. He, and he no, and he show, he shows his power as well. Yeah. And then Joe and then Joe does that like corkscrew uh dive out. He so he shows his high flying, even though he's supposed to be the powerhouse. So you gotta blend it too. So that's why you need a guy like the Undertaker, like Prime Undertaker, because He's so powerful. He's so big and 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 daunting, but he's also agile and he's fast. The Undertaker, things that people don't give him credit enough for, like the character's great, and he and he and he can pick people up for the last ride and choke slams all the stuff. But he is so fast as he does things. When he hits the ropes, he hits it with power and force, and 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 then in his quickness and his agility shine through in stuff like old school. So you gotta you gotta factor taker in if you're going with the greatest of all time triple threat. Like when I said Joe earlier, maybe I meant Sean Taker and AJ or so. You know what I'm saying? But maybe there's not enough te technique in there either. So maybe Sean, Sean Taker, Austin, Sean Taker, Rock, yeah, Sean, yeah, Taker, Sean Taker, anybody? Uh, Brett, Brett, even you know, Sean Taker, like, Triple H. Mm -hmm. Well, which is what you kind of got question. Hmm? Two of them are supposed to. Two of them are supposed to be in a tag team, and one of them is supposed to be the world champion. Oh, is it? What do you mean? I didn't see that part. That's what he said in the question. Oh, did he? Yeah, two of them are supposed to be tag team champions, and then one's a regular champion. Oh man, I'm sorry, Ty. I totally just took it a different way. So I guess see that 
that's why I said the Hardy Boys, and then you have Batista, who is that powerhouse. So one is world champ, and the other two are tag team champs. So if I said, I said Rock, Austin, and and Michaels, um, it would be interesting to see Rock and Michaels as a tag team. But I've always yeah. wondered what it'd be like to see have Rock and Austin as a tag team. So I'd do honestly Rock and Austin as tag team champs, and Michaels as as world champ if i had to do it and if it had to be an established makes- tag team if it had to be like a team that has been established like he said the hardys that's great but <sighs> that's like- not fair because i like i would get all okay fine mcmg versus <laughs> i'm gonna do jerry lynn dude because that would actually be a really good match like jerry lynn versus the mcmg or i mean honestly the equation could go any way for me it could be cm punk versus mcmg um, it could be honestly MCMG versus Kazarian. It could be MCMG versus Daniels, uh, Joe. And so, can you use like Edge and Christian, but use the pro- like the prime Edge, like Christian? Edge, Kane. Christian, and Jericho would be a sick triple threat. That would be that would be a great match. Jericho as like champion. Edge, what about Edge, Christian, and Taker? That would still be oh, dude, mission. the brood, a brood, high flying, yeah, triple threat type Taker. thing with the Ministry. Oh my god. That'd be great. That would be great. See, that's another way to twist it. Dudley's versus Spike. I mean, <laughs> I can't picture Spike being the World Heavyweight Champion, but he could be a tag team champion with Devon, dude. He would just get thrown around like a rag doll for half an hour. It would literally be like Bubba Ray and Devon playing uh, volleyball with Spike. He'd, they'd be spiking him literally. How many tables do you think they'd break that match hit in 3Ds? That match should just be all 3Ds, dude. They'd be putting, like, the referee through Spike Dudley instead of a table and Spike Dudley for, <laughs> through the referee, dude. And then, they, and then they put Spike on the table, Lillian Garcia up on Bubba's shoulders and jumps off the top rope. And With Mae Young on his shoulders. Yeah. <laughs> Take her out, too. Is anyways. Anyways. Rick, is Mae Young still alive? I don't think so. I don't think her or Fabulous Moolah are alive. I think both of them are uh, resting somewhere. I know that Moolah, I think Moolah passed away for sure, but I don't know about Mae Young. I'm pretty sure Moolah passed away first, and then, yeah, because they did they did the, the Mae Young evolution thing or whatever it was, the Mae Young classic. So, yeah, she's dead. She's Dunsky 5000, bro. Dead. Find out for sure. Well, I mean, they have an Andre the Giant battle. Andre the Giant. Yeah, Memorial Battle Royal. He's dead. Yeah, but that doesn't mean... You know, January 14, 2014. God rest her sweet soul. Nah, Mae Young's uh, timeless. She ain't dead. Lives Unfortunately, I feel heart. like both of them did something horrible, so I can't really salute her too well. I'm going to be neutral I've seen about that, this. I've seen that woman's breasts. That so have I. Me. Acting like you're the only one. It, it's probably like the second or third pair I ever saw because I was like... 11 or 12. Well, that's a shame that that's the second or third pair you saw. It. <laughs> I think the same, not a great experience one, to talk about. I think the second one saw was my first Jacqueline. titties today. They were May Young. Second one was Jacqueline, and then the third one was May Young. Dude, Miss Jackie, man. Oh, my God. They, WWE had a thing for doing it. They were like, all right, release the puppy so uh, Jerry Lawler can prove how weird he is. <laughs> Seriously. Dude, I never even cared for that whole thing. Just to not even not even talk about anything relevant, but Jerry Lawler of all things irrelevant. Uh, his whole puppies angle thing, I just I always found found Lawler annoying. Like on commentary, like I liked him 
uh, when he first was like, you know, heel going into commentator. But mm-hmm. eventually after that, he just was like the guy that would say cringy stuff. And I'd be like, don't interrupt Jim Ross when he's talking, please. Let the man talk. If you're going to say something, don't say something stupid. Like that's, no, he was and, my pattern. Rick, as I've been rewatching the Attitude Era, I realized there's so many things that happen on screen or happen in the ring. And JR, he's like a professional. And so he's got to call it. He has to say what's happening. And so there was this this uh, stink face, uh, uh, lingerie stink face match or something between uh, Terry Runnels and uh, the cat. And yep. and Terry, like, or no, the cat just puts, seriously, her b-hole right all over Terry's face at the end. And JR has to call it like a, the professional he is. And I'm just like, how many times is he just like at the end of a show, took the headset off, he's walking to the back, and he's just like, what the hell was that? You know? That... <laughs> yeah, exactly, dude. He's just, And how many times he just considered just walking, you know? He's like, Vince, you know, I've been with you for, for 20 long years in some kind of way or another. I've never this said one is... thing. But <laughs> this... <laughs> No, this is the worst day of my life. No, like the kiss my ass club, right? Vince is in the dude, that, wife. When he did that to JR, his... man, I wanted I, – I was done, dude. JR did not deserve that. No, and I don't he's care. Like, well, it's, it's entertainment, right? And I'm like, I don't know, Vince. <laughs> like, I, I just don't want to see a grown man, like, kissing your white ass. You and know? cry. Like, he's getting fired on television, dude, if he doesn't kiss his ass. And, like – Poor Jr., who's been a professional, uh, you know, and that even goes to say, he's been a professional, and this guy's got to go in the ring, cry his heart out to all the fans watching, and then kiss this dude's ass to keep his job. During the summer of Punk, during the summer of Punk, he talked about how that's that's bad. He he couldn't imagine like what that would be like to do to somebody, but yet for all those years, he was making people join the. Kiss the Vince McMahon's ass club. Mm-hmm. No, I can even hear it in Jr.'s voice on AEW. Like sometimes there's stuff going on on the screen, and I'm just and I'm sure Jr.'s just like, "What in the holy hell is that?" I think one of the crazy things was that um, Jim Ross is the one who got Chris Jericho into AEW. Like, uh, and he's also the same guy. Well, Jim Ross was the person to get him into AEW. Jim Ross was the guy to get him into WWE. Sorry. That's what they were talking about last night in the interview with Jericho. Um, yeah. Jericho coming into AEW, and that's one of the things he was talking about, was like, you know, took a chance on something and then didn't realize it was going to be this successful. Uh, mm-hmm. I think with uh, with Jericho having an interview with Jim Ross, like that's going to show that when Jericho came into WWE, like Jim Ross has been in the WWE for a very long time. So, yeah. you know – I, I respect Jim Ross in the way that like people make fun of him because he's old now, dude. And I'm just looking at I was like looking at him while he was talking to Chris Jericho, and I just I felt I felt sad for a second because it's like I'm watching Jr. I'm looking at Jr. I'm seeing how old Jr. is now, and it's like dude lost his wife, and I don't know how he was able to pull himself back from that and, and be like on television the way that he is. But like especially doing this interview, like I could just tell that there's a level of uncomfortableness to Jim Ross where he didn't want to do it, but he did it for Jericho because he's a longtime friend of his. You know, and Jim Ross to be able to put himself on television, which he's not the kind of guy to put himself before others. And yeah, he might be a little bit dated. I'm hearing him say slobber knocker. And I'm thinking, dude, this isn't like 2001, dude. I'm kind of, <laughs> I'm kind of over the slobber knockers. It was cool and it was stone cold because it was a real slobber knocker. 
But like now it's like if it's not Stone Cold, it's just like the what chant. Like I I I personally would rather he just leave that alone and just be Jim Ross, the commentator, without having to use like he's not a wrestler, dude. You don't need to coin these phrases and use them to this day. Like you don't need them. Like you yourself as a commentator is what Throwing we need. Them soup bones, Cole. <laughs> yeah, and, and the government mule. He dropped that line again too. Like when M- Matt Hardy was beating up Orange Cassidy, and I was just like, dude, come on, man. Like I don't, I don't want to, I don't want to hear you say government mule in 2021, dude. Like <laughs> I could care less. But okay, I'm not disrespecting Jim Ross. I just. I just respect the, the fact that he did the interview and not Tony Schiavone with, with Jericho. The real sad part, Rick, is that JR is old, but he's still better than everyone else. Seriously. Like, he was better than Schiavone in the 90s. He's better than Schiavone now. He's better than freaking uh, Pat, Excal- Pat McAfee, Excalibur, um, Byron Saxton, better than Corey. Michael uh, Corey Cole. pretty good, but he – of course, better than Michael Cole. Like the day that we put Michael Cole at the same ranking as like Jim Ross is unfortunately people are going to say, well, Michael Cole is better than he was before. He's probably better than Jim Ross. Now you ever say that? I mean, ever, I don't care how good Michael Cole gets on the, on, on a microphone as a, uh, as a commentator, he'll never be Jim Ross. Even when Jim Ross is, is, is going into that old route where he might get dementia and all of a sudden he's becoming Jerry, the King Lawler over here, Rick, it was evident. He's still gonna be better. In the in like the two thousand late two thousands into like the two thousand tens, when they'd bring Jr. in to call a, a WrestleMania match, and like instead of Cole, because they knew all oh, this match is big. Like when Taker and and Triple H had that match, they brought in Jim Ross to call the match. When they did the Hell in the Cell with Sean as the ref, they called in Jr. to do the match. Like. That goes to show that even the WWE, as much as they like Michael Cole, want to push Michael Cole, they are aware that Jim, Jim Ross, Ross is just better than Michael Cole. There's only four people on my hand that I will count that I will say um, if I had to replace Jim Ross and listen to Chris Jericho, CM Punk, uh, Taz, not so much anymore. I'm kind of going back on Taz, Roddy Piper. Macho Man Randy Savage. Oh, yeah. Macho Man was really excited on the mic. I, I love Macho Man as a commentator. but I can see why he went to WCW. He was tired of, of being a commentator. He wanted to wrestle again. And that's the thing. When you still have it, like guys like Joe, guys like Taz, I, I think that's the thing. Even Booker T. Like these guys could still go, but WWE forced their hand and made them into commentators. And it's like even though they were interesting to listen to, seeing somebody that like is, is coming out of their prime, and this is probably like the last chance you get to see them do something good, like, good for Samoa Joe for finally being able to wrestle again. But, like, guys like Taz and Booker T kind of basically had to take that back seat and sit there and, and take that paycheck when they were still, like, good like good to go, like, still were able to wrestle. Like, they should have gone out in a better way where th- they did a last match if they wanted to, you know, whatever last match that they would do that would be a good match last to, to call it out on. And then you can sit there all you want behind the uh, behind the announcer table. Even, like, Vampiro, he's a, he's a good commentator in, in, in Lucha Underground. I liked him in Lucha Underground. Um, but like, and he's still wrestling from time to time. I think he just won the JCW championship, but like, that's, that's what I mean about like these guys, like when they can still go, don't waste their talents by putting them behind a commentator's like table full time, like do it cause they're entertaining, but then bit them back in the ring. Like don't take away the best thing that they have going for them right now. And then be like, all right, well, we just think you're a better commentator. It's going to work out better for you there. 
like Taz could have been suplexing people and going out, you know, not maybe not as a champion, but like dude could have like a good last run doing something other than being known for SmackDown commentator. I just got to the uh, episode where Taz comes out on commentary with Michael Cole because like they get into this feud. It's like Taz versus JR and King. And so Taz keeps making fun of JR's Bell's palsy. And then King like is fighting him over it. And then he takes the King out. And so you get to SmackDown and Taz comes out at the beginning of the show. And of course he's trying to be Taz, like a thug life dead kind of just another victim and all that. But he's also just like him and Cole just start playing off of each other. He's being the heel color commentator and Cole's being the straight laced, you know, regular uh, analyst. And it, I could tell where they thought this was gold, like immediately for the moment Taz comes out and sits down. And it's, supposed, it's probably just supposed to be a one off thing. You're supposed to come out and do it one week because it makes sense for the storyline. He's going to come and do commentary for King and make fun of him the whole time. And that was supposed to be it. But you can just tell there's a chemistry there, and and I'm listening to him, and I'm like, man, this is far this is far more entertaining than Taz, than anything Taz did in the ring in the WWF, like for real. Well, that's because they didn't really utilize him. He was just another ECW guy no, for them to kind of. But here's the thing: another ECW guy. You have to realize with ECW guys like Shane Douglas, Taz, Sandman, the one of the driving forces behind those characters and the way that they resonated with fans. Uh, a lot of guys are Paul Heyman hype machine creations. Okay, and nothing against Taz, but I gen like Taz is a monster in ECW. But when he gets to the WWF, he's just a small fi- small fish in a big pond, and he just blends into the background. But as soon as he started talking, and him and Cole started go back and forth, I went, "Holy crap! This is the most entertaining Taz has been this whole time." Because I watched it from his Royal Rumble match with Kurt Angle till now, and Taz like just blended into the background. He would just show up and put people in the Taz mission and. It was just BS, nothing going on. And then as soon as he started talking, it, it started to hit. So I see where they where they wanted to make that transition because if it works, it works, you know. And I don't think it was on purpose either. I think it was just a happy accident. Yes, I did it. Hold on. I was thinking about it like this. There you go. This guy right here. What do you got to say about it? I don't know. I mean, like. Super the most cool. recent one that I followed was Samoa Joe when they did the same thing to him on commentary. I didn't really think he was that great on commentary. It was kind of like Taz, but it wasn't like as exciting. But now I'm happy that he's back in the ring and he's NXT champion. Well, sometimes it goes to show that even if you don't think someone's a good commentator, when they have a natural charisma, they're a better commentator than most of the uh, freaking talking heads they have on there. As soon as someone comes around that knows something, that was why even Taz kind of worked to an extent. Is because he knows about wrestling. King knows about wrestling in the ring. Jim Ross knows about like wrestling as from a third party perspective. King knows it from a first party perspective, and so sometimes that helps to have a guy who's been in the ring. Meanwhile, you know Michael Cole, you're just like you just frost your hair and shut up. Yeah, but he should. He should. Of all people, that was the thing. The biggest criticism I had of Michael Cole is that he had a secondhand experience. He was an interviewer, and he dealt with guys like like Rock, you know, who was like his. He was the biggest punchline to like Rock's jokes. Him and Jonathan Coachman, and it's like the same thing with like even Stone Cold. Like Michael Cole was there, so it's like when you're that close to the, like the biggest talent, 
like even if you don't have like the wrestling holds to talk about, you could just talk about the people. Like, and I think that's Michael Cole's biggest flaw is that he always tried to um, put his own twist on things and say like have his own catchphrases and just make it more about like a gimmick as a as a commentator rather than actually be a commentator and commentate. Now that you're watching this from this kind of perspective, yeah. Mm-hmm. He, you know, he became, he became the face and the voice of the PG era, and that's why we don't like him either. Can I have your attention, please? Yeah, right. Oh my God. GM. Of course, you have an email. Just read. It. Shut up. And or he's like, tells him, just read it, you idiot. That was one of my favorite ones. Is uh, Chris Jericho telling him, like, of course you have an email. <laughs> just read it. Yeah, that was one of my favorites. And CM Punk when he was when he called him out of being the, like the GM type deal. He's like, don't you have that? Even the Rock did it too. I'm just gonna sit here and make snow angels. <laughs> I uh get back to AEW though, because I I feel wait, like did you wait? Did you talk about SummerSlam at all, Rick? No. Oh, uh oh. Did you talk about Brian Danielson's day de- potential debut at all? That was next. I wanted next, to. Next, you got like eight minutes. <laughs> all right, all right, all right. Screw AEW. I'm just gonna. I'm gonna just. Finish it off because it wasn't that exciting after CM Punk and Chris Jericho. Power, powerhouse Hobbs, I, I, I actually fast-forwarded through on Brian Cage to see him win. Uh, Gun Club uh, turned on Paul White. That was the biggest thing out of that. Some dude is doing a, a – QT Marshall did a diamond cutter. I don't no, know if that's Q, legal. QT Marshall. Well, Marshall did a diamond cutter, and I don't know if it was legal or not. That's my favorite if- move, the diamond cutter. So I hope DDP comes out and dive and cutters him, dude. Exhale. (sighs) At ease. (laughs) So he came out and he gave him a dive cutter after uh, Gun Club hit him with it. Well, Gun Club hit him with a chair after he got dive cutter. They dive cuttered Paul White and it looked stupid. And then, like, Gun Club comes out and saves him only for, uh, you know, QT Marshall to be walking backwards up the ramp. He was confused because he's watching and Billy Guns is like, I'm just going to hit this dude with a chair now. And I'm going to hit him over the head with it. And then that was it. They walked out and walked past QT Marshall. And he's all like, oh, my God. When you said gun club, it made me think of hate club. And that. um, The hate club's dead. Hate club's dead. Oh, man. Oh, man. Jesus. Exactly. Yeah. Jesus. They did that little segment. I was like, okay, whatever. They moved on. Take Conte. I actually ended up. Fast forward between that and Penelope Ford. I didn't watch that. Uh, I did watch the Lucha Brothers and Jurassic Express uh, in the lead, and it ended with Christian Cage coming out at, and, and getting attacked. And then they all were basically beating them up in the ring, and they lowered the cage. And uh, Jungle Boy somehow was not in the ring at the time. So there was like. Rick, Rick what? what was that name you said before? Pen- Penelope Ford? Is that what you said? Yeah, Penelope Ford. What was the name before that? Tay Conte. Tay Conte and not Zunday, not Zunday. QT Marshall. I'm just saying, uh, on behalf of the wrestling game, we just want to apologize for not being able to pronounce some of these names because <laughs> they're absurd. Is, is, is Tay Conte's name not Tay Conte? Is it? Is it like like Tay Content? I think it's Tay. It's T A Y. I know, I know, but you said it, and I was like, that doesn't even sound like a real name. And the only reason I was going to say we apologize is because these names sound so absurd; they don't even sound like real names. Yeah, so we're not really analysts or nothing. So, like, so should we apologize, or should they apologize to us? <laughs> they should apologize for us for me having to remember Cash Wheeler and, and Dash Dash's Wilder's names. 
right what? cash cash wheeler dash wheeler and dawson wilder and cash cash money and millions of dollars yeah, i haven't been called dash this whole time and it's dawson dawson's creek jesus hey wasn't Conti. dash's name in wwe brian meyer mark cardona the wikipedia to see how you pronounce this name it's it's like so that the funny thing about this show is like like we're just dudes talking wrestling, but it's like just guys like, being dudes. We're guys being dudes, dudes being guys, but like we're just like so out of touch with it that like these guys, you know, I don't know like half the names that I have to learn their names and talk about them because people talk about them, and it's just like who, who the hell is Tay Conte? Like what's she matter? I've seen her. All I see out of her on Twitter is like she's like. Pretty much just like whoring it up on Twitter, and I really could care less. Like, I really could care less about Tay Conte. I don't know what she does I, in I the think, ring. I think it's Conti, like not Conte, Conti. No, I'm like, saying Tay Conti, Conte, Conti. Conti. Uh, well, you're saying I don't like, care. You're Why saying it like the last Tay, seven minutes on Tay Conti. Late <laughs> Tayson, it's making it sound like Tayson Day, and I'm just. I'm like, saying, dude, I don't <laughs> like chocolate, chocolate rain. Some stage. Oh, sorry. Go ahead. You got seven minutes. Brian Danielson. Brian Danielson. Oh yeah. Brian Danielson is my man, and this is what I, this is what I want to talk about last time. So, like I said, more realistic to me is two point and that other dude come out and they attack Punk to to keep him from winning his match at All Out. But I, in a real, in a in a perfect world, Brian Danielson uh, makes his debut at All Out. And he costs CM Punk his match so we can get something really cool going. Like, you know, I feel like with CM Punk mentioning that you're going to have to be a little patient and wait a little bit longer, that it would be enough juice uh, to give Brian Danielson a proper heel right off the bat coming in as a heel. But all things aside from a perfect world, I don't think it's going to happen that way. He's probably going to be just another face like Punk who is going to – you know, suck up to the crowd and, and get that welcome moment and then, you know, dip his toes in the water. But Brian Nielsen, for me, the only things that I can expect from him if he does sign with AEW is that I would love it to be Brian Danielson, not Daniel Bryan, and I'm sure it will be. But the other thing is the American Dragon, Brian Danielson, and the final countdown. I was so hyped for Punk that I wanted to hump, uh, Punk to come out and not be the first person in AEW I wanted Brian Danielson to be. But now that I realize like Punk being back and him being gone for seven years, it's very important. And, and I'm glad we're living in this moment. Like he's a, he's a done deal, but now it just makes me more excited for Brian because Brian's the more obvious one in terms of like, he hasn't been gone for seven years. So of course it makes sense for him to just come right into the fray. Whereas Punk has to relearn wrestling. And I want to say all over again, but like this guy's obviously had to do practice matches like Undertaker does in the spare time. To where he could get comfortable enough, where he knows he's gonna he's gonna do the deed all out. So right. Punk being here first, now my excitement, everything turns to Brian Danielson. Is he gonna be the American Dragon? Will we get Final Countdown finally? Dude, I hope we do. I when hope we, we were do. talking about it. When we were talking about it before the show, I honestly can't see Brian Danielson like turning and being a heel and coming in and ruining CM Punk's first match, no. only because they worked together towards the end of WWE. Like, I understand what you're getting at by ruining his debut and everything, but I just don't think that's enough to feel it. It's like, I could be completely wrong, and that's that's exactly what happens. 
And that's what starts the whole storyline is CM Punk ruining his debut. Right, but it, that may be something you need to save, though, as well. Because if you just have the two old WWE guys go right into a feud, how is that um, giving any shine to any AEW talent? How is that giving them the rub at all? You know what I'm saying? Mm -hmm. To me, it just seems too too WWE to do it that way. Just, you know what I mean? You gotta Give us the big payload right off the bat. Not not build for it. Not give it well, a reason they, to build. Well, and they always and, tout, tout an AEW about long term long long term storytelling. For those of us yep. long dong storytelling, and so <laughs> like if that's the case, then they know they can't just have Daniel Bryan or Brian Danielson and CM Punk, uh, you know, launch into a feud from the beginning. I know that's a good way to do it, but Punk can just do what he's doing with AEW talent have. Daniel Bryan come in, do some stuff with some AEW guys, and then there's no reason you can't just hold off and do it later. And sometimes when you uh, build it up a little bit more, there's obviously off. So. so I guess with our our last two minutes then, last minute and a half, what's your prediction then for, for Daniel Bryan versus Darby Allen in the main event? CM Punk versus Darby, Darby Allen? Yeah, sorry. What did I say? Yeah, uh, I think you said Daniel Bryan. Either Just way, the mind. CM Punk and Darby Allen. Like Brock Lesnar versus Darby Allen. Um, <laughs> Brock, Brock Lesnar versus Darby Allen. Who do you think is going to get jobbed out? No, uh, I think you're in a difficult spot because Punk came in and said, "Oh, I'm I'm here to work with guys like Darby Allen. I'm here to like you know break through the glass ceiling and help these guys get there too." But so if he wins, it's business as usual. How does that help Darby Allen get over, right? Unless mm -hmm. he, unless it, what happened, what's contained within the match matters as well. Because sometimes wins and losses don't matter. It's how you tell the story. So maybe if Darby takes Punk to a place he, he ain't never been before, you know, back to the Ravens rules stuff of of uh, ROH and all that, you know, and really gives him a run for his money, and then Punk pulls it out at the end, then you get the feel good of Punk's return and the win as well as him being able to acknowledge, holy crap, kid, you really, you know, gave it to, you know, you gave it to me, essentially. You so gave first me match, you think he's going to lose clean? Punk? Yeah. Absolutely not. <laughs> no, there's no way. Because they are, they're aware that there's so much buzz. Uh, so they say wins and losses don't matter, but anyone who really says that um, is slightly full of it because you got to keep this train rolling. And, and the only other options are to have a dusty finish, some schmas, some run-in stuff, and, and that's too AEW. And I, that's too much like their outlaw mentality. So I think Punk's going to win, but how they tell that story is what is going to I matter. So like I said earlier, I think I, I definitely I don't know. We'll see what happens. Like cause AEW is trying to prove that there's something new. But for me, how I feel, I feel like the way that they set it up is that Daniel Garcia is is facing um Darby Allen on Rampage. I feel like Daniel Garcia and 2.0 are gonna be the guys that are gonna cost CM Punk his win because they're gonna want to make a name for themselves and it's gonna give Darby Allen, Sting, and CM Punk an opportunity to do a six man tag team match. They need to keep all those guys out of it. If these guys, if it's supposed to be like, just let Punk do his thing. 
and and uh, the art of the run-in is a very fine there's a fine line between dusty and muddy okay so yeah it's supposed to be dusty it's supposed to be in question it's supposed to be uh you know a, a little bit of chaos but don't overbook it don't don't muddy the waters don't mess around and we'll see i guess what happens so obviously we got to get through rampage first to get any better perspective of sunday so rampage is tomorrow we'll see what happens then and then come this sunday there's gonna be aw all out in chicago illinois uh, obviously, there's a lot more to look forward to than just seeing Punk's match, but for, for us two over here, and Bubby, God rest his soul, sweet, sweet soul, did a great job tonight coming on, being a guest, and filling in for the shoes for a little bit, you know? Um, mm-hmm. I will say, uh, uh, for all three of us, I know we're definitely looking forward to that CM Punk match. So, uh, obviously, tune in next Thursday. You'll find out more and uh, how we feel about the uh, <laughs> fallout of All Out. <laughs> went for it tell them where they can find us rick you can find us on facebook and twitter at the wrestling den and wrestling den tm you can find us live at sport unfolded on facebook at sports underscore unfolded at instagram and on twitter at sports unfolded look down below if if, if this is a lot to take in it always is just look down below you don't want to you don't want to see us you want to see our ugly mugs listen to us Anchor, Spotify, Google Podcasts. Go follow our gracious hosts, as always. Like I said, sports unfolded. We appreciate you, all of you of the Wrestling Den, tuning in, watching live. Uh, Austin, thank you for being a guest tonight. Uh, hopefully you can come on again. Um, I would love to have you. I'm sure Nick would love to have you. I think uh, you did pretty good in terms of, of keeping up with the big dogs over here. Might even be a contender for Miss Liz. I'll let you guys decide that on the Wrestling Den page. Go follow on Facebook. I know, like usually, your uncle and, and your dad are using Facebook. Please use it for us, because I am. I, I'm, I'm, I'm on there every week, posting whatever. But so for so for uh, Carlito Caribbean Tool and uh, Cactus Jackoff. <laughs> bang bang, bang bang! I spit we'll in the face of people who don't want to be tools. Oh yeah, my two man, Ricky. Sanders. Bang bang, your mom. <laughs>